Hello and welcome to the Care It Out Sleep Show, a podcast for tired parents who are searching for a bit more sleep the caring way. I'm your host, Kerry Secker, infant sleep consultant, founder of my unique sleep approach, Care It Out, and your caring sleep supporter. I really hope you'll join me on my mission to get small to settle night's sleep without the tears, training, or techniques. I love talking about sleep and I can't wait to share my sleep subjects with you. My approach to getting you more sleep is simple, straightforward, but above all, it's got to make sense and feel best for you. Ready to get more sleep? Then let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Care Out Sleep Show. I hope you are all really well. I am really looking forward to this episode because I have got a guest on today, which is always really lovely to talk to somebody else. I do like that connection. And today I am going to be talking to Rachel Akehurst from Lying Heart Hypnobirthing. And we are going to be talking all about hypnobirthing and in particular how hypnobirthing tools can help with um bedtime resistance and bedtime routine resistance in older children how are you Rachel hello yeah really good thank you how are you yeah I'm very well thank you so much thank you so much for coming on to the sleep show and talking with me no thank you for having me you've been on my list to talk to for a very long time so it's an absolute pleasure to be here thank you Oh, thank you. I love, I do you know what? I absolutely love a list. I could write a list of just <laughs> I need to write. I love it. I love it. Um, so I'm very honoured to be on someone's list. So Rachel, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Tell us who you are. Talk to us a little bit more about Lionheart Hypnobirthing. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm Rachel. I'm mum of one. So I've got Sam, who's four and a half, and he's just started school this year. So very, very proud of him. Um, I'm a former midwife, a former health visitor. Um, and then after I had my son, I was quite um, poorly after I had my son, like emotionally. So I completely changed my life after he was born. A bit of a cliche, but, you know, um, mm-hmm. I went back to my job as a health visitor. For, I had 16 months off after I had Sam, went back to my job as a health visitor, which I'd previously mostly loved, um, but I'd fallen out of love with it. Um, and I had fallen back in love with all things birth. Um, so, yeah, I quit my job, my steady pension, <laughs> my reliable <laughs> um, and I set up Lionheart Hypnobirthing. It wasn't called Lionheart Hypnobirthing in the beginning. I'm not going to tell you the name because it was shocking. <laughs> oh, Rachel, come on now. You can't do that. Oh, come on. I, I have not, if it's any reassurance, Rachel, I'm going to fess up. I haven't always been care it out. It took me a couple of years to get to that. And before I was Kerry Cares Parenting and it's not horrific and it's part of my journey. But I can remember um, sharing my excitement with somebody that, um, and to be fair, she was more of a colleague rather than a friend. And I said to her, you know, what it was. And she's like, oh my gosh, that's so cliched. Do you know, I would tell you it's not, I'm not embarrassed of it, but it names the brand in it that, that I used to hit. Oh, don't worry then. And then I just tagged on um, St. Helens, where I live. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, what it does on the tin. And I knew very little about business and I was, you know, just trying my best. I was like, this will do, you know, let's just start. Um, yeah. And then after a while. Like I've I've completely written my own hypnobirthing program and everything in lockdown. Um, And yeah, Lionheart just came after about 18 months and not everybody liked it. It's like naming your child and you say a name and everyone goes, oh, (laughs) thanks. But for me, um, it just conjures up feelings of power and strength and not necessarily not feeling nervous but cracking on with something anyway even when we do feel nervous about something um which is yeah the the backbone of of what I do really so um yeah so hypnobirthing for me I set I I designed my own course because no disrespect to any other courses but what I'd I'd learned myself was good but um I wanted to make it better um, without sounding obnoxious. Um, but for me, I wanted more grit and more um, information and things like that. Um, so, yeah, and, and everybody approaches birth from a kind of, the way I describe it is people think about getting something quite big out of some quite 
Um, and that's, you know, purely seeing birth from a physical perspective, which is, is important, like the mechanics of birth. But what I don't think people realise is that how a woman labours and gives birth um, is very emotional as well as the physicalities of it. It's, it's quite spiritual. It's a very psychological event. Um, and so, yeah, what I do captures all of those things um, so that people know the kind of various um, components that can make birth great. So I, I help people prepare for birth emotionally, psychologically, with like mindset tools, techniques, lots of information and not what happens to them in labour. Um, how they cope with it and, and most people are frightened of labor because they don't understand it they don't understand the process and yes there are differences labor to labor woman to woman but it can be very predictable it really can be it's like it's it's biology and as you know we mm. can't really <laughs> we can't yeah. change I always like to say we can't beat biology yeah so when people learn about it in like a healthy, realistic, safe way, they learn how to make it better. They learn things that can make it worse so that then they can do their best to avoid those things. Oh, it doesn't half make a difference. And I've just had three messages this morning from women who've not necessarily had like perfect births. So I call them unicorn births and I'm not yeah. really sure those types of births exist. And one woman had an emergency cesarean. So, and in the past, I'd be thinking, oh, she's going to be annoyed with me. She's going to say it didn't work. She's really happy with her birth experience because she felt calm and in control. And I've learned over the three years, it's not so much what the midwife writes on the piece of paper, like, oh, you know, normal birth. I don't really like that term, but medically normal birth. Um, you know, forceps, um, emergency cesarean. It's not so much what is written on on the on the piece of paper. It's how it it feels to that woman. So somebody could have had a forceps birth and felt really calm during it, really well prepared, well educated, felt they had a say in what happened, and that could be enormously positive to her. Mm. So really changed. You know, in the three years I've been doing this, um, yeah, that if if the woman feels it, it's, it was a positive birth, then it then that is exactly what it is type of thing. Even if on paper, other people might be like, oh, you know, was that wasn't what you were planning? Does that make sense, Kerry? Yeah, no, it makes total sense. And I think how we how we think about a situation is always the most important and can I just say there's not an obnoxious bone in your body that <laughs> I ever call you obnoxious and can we just take a moment to say that Sam is four and a half like how did that happen it's crazy is he getting on okay at school he likes it he's marvellous he's, he's been getting a bit upset a couple of times going in so I just had a chat with his teacher about that um, but yeah, he's gone to a school where he didn't know a soul, and I felt enormously proud watching that kid walk in. Yes, his bottom lip did wobble a bit on the first day, as did mine, but I thought, wow, look at the courage of him walk, bouncing into school. He's never worn a school uniform before, has never met any of the staff because of lockdown. He wasn't able to, to go and have a look around. Um and I tell a lie, he had a brief look round once, but that was a very long time ago. Um, and I watched that kid walk in and I was like, wow, look at you. And I felt quite proud of myself as well. It's like, look what we've instilled in him. Yeah, us. definitely. My bottom lip went then when you said that. Like, it's like, yeah. lovely. Mm. I'm glad he's settling in okay. And what else was I going to say? Yeah, I I really lo- just want to. Um, you mentioned like you said that in the beginning you didn't know any like your name changing. Like maybe we could do a whole other podcast about business, but we all have to start from somewhere. And I think I think that there's quite a lot of similarities between starting a business and parenting because you're almost learning on the job. You are. You are. And I. I and as a a midwife and a health visitor in the past, I would say that to people, you know, this is absolutely brand new. And I think 
sometimes we mistake, you know, our instincts, you know, or like instinctively we'll know what to do. But um, for the most, for most of us, it takes time to learn how to yeah. be. It really does. I learned how to be a parent watching my mum, you know, with Sam, watching my dad with Sam, yeah, husband, my sister-in-law. Um, because yeah, being a midwife and a health visitor, although I thought, oh, I'll have this, I'll have this, <laughs> I know what to do with babies. Yeah, I, I knew what to do with a baby for ten minutes or maybe an hour, but twenty-four hours is yeah, a very different ball game. Um, so yeah, it was it was a steep learning curve for me as well. I was not exempt from that. My my training did not really give me much. I don't think anyone is, and I think it's a constant evaluation of what's working and what isn't. You'll do something and then realize, oh, that didn't quite work. It's not right or wrong, but and then constantly reframing it and tweaking it and until you just get to know each other you're getting to know actually three people there's three relationships you're getting to know your baby you're getting to re-know yourself and you're also learning the relationship between you and your baby and then it's the and the partner as well so actually there's four mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's yeah it's really I don't want to say complicated it's intrinsic isn't it and it's all many layers <laughs> yeah and you're, you're, you're tired whilst you're trying to do all this learning so yeah. Yeah, no, it makes it really hard. It is, yeah. But well, what an amazing job, and I can totally relate. Like my, I've really, I've got a real passion for reassuring parents and sleep education, and just for me, yes, it's really exciting when they start getting more sleep. But for me, it isn't about. It is about that. But for me, the most important bit is that seeing parents get more confident and trusting themselves trusting their babies watching them follow their instincts watching all those light bulb moments and just seeing them just it changes everything and that yes. brings me the biggest joy that is what my passion is and that is what brings me joy and those messages when you get you know you get sent them on instagram or an email doesn't it just make your heart full i know and, and times are a bit um different at the moment aren't they and I've been in like um you know ups and downs going through this year same as everybody else and I showed my husband a message I feel quite teary actually now and you know I can't actually remember the words that she said to me but I remember how it made me feel and when I read it and I read it out to my husband and he went you're making a really big difference aren't you and I was like I am aren't (laughs) Isn't that why we do anything is to see is impact and to make a difference. Yeah. And I I just I always I just say thank you to not only people who like book me because, you know, I am like Lionheart Hypnobirthing is like literally me. Um, But also, you know, when they they message me afterwards, occasionally I've been the first person that they've told they've had the the baby. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. That yeah. makes me so excited every single time. <laughs> and then, yeah, somebody's one of the ladies you messaged today said you were because she was listening to my audios of my voice, and she was like, "Oh, it's like you were with me in labour." And I was like, "Wow, like what? What an absolute privilege! It, it yeah. really, it really is." So yeah, it's. it's I really- get that too. Working with parents, mm-hmm. it's a trusting thing. Trusted to yeah. help and support parents when they're vulnerable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah definitely and I don't think we ever forget how people like we can forget words we can forget actions but you know what we never forget how people make us feel exactly exactly and yeah, it's, it's a two-way thing isn't it so mm-hmm. how we affect people but then when our clients return the, the gift back is just amazing so yeah no I agree it's the best feeling ever and there is a little bit of ego in there as well like we like to make a difference it's nice to be told like stroking that you're doing a good job I'm not going to fib about that because I'm always very honest Rachel as you know but I think for me if I get one message a day or what I read one comment where gosh just reading that has reassured me or just I, I found that so useful I literally feel like I've made a difference that day Mm-hmm. yeah exactly and it spurs you on doesn't it to keep yeah. you know 
keep going. Self-employed isn't always the easiest route, but um, no, definitely not. <laughs> we definitely need to do another podcast on this, or at least have a, a cup of coffee when we're not recording. But that's what I wanted. I'm really hoping that this episode that we record today is my attention behind everything I ever put out there. Is it reassuring? Is it helpful? Is it useful? And today it's, um, by the way, before we go on, I just want to say, I, it's nothing to do with me, how, what I think about your name. But I actually really like the name Lionheart because <laughs> strength, but emotion, uh, I think it goes lovely. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. And I like it too. And, and, you know, when people are naming their babies, what I say is literally, do you like saying it yourself? Because you're the one. You know, I say Lionheart hit the birth in about 50 times a day. So I've got to be the one who enjoys it. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? So. Yeah. No, I agree. I definitely agree. Yeah. But yeah, I really love it. I think Thanks. it's, yeah. Lion is one of my favourite animals anyway. Um, and just anything with heart in it, I'm there. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. yeah. But today I'd really like to talk about this episode use I'd like to for it to be really reassuring I'd like to talk about bedtime um resistance and bedtime bed let's start again I'd like to talk about bedtime routine resistance in the bedtime routine and going to bed resistance with toddlers um because it's really common um it's probably after why is my baby not sleeping at night time the the second most popular question I get asked my toddler my child is resisting the bedtime routine, they're struggling getting out of the bath, um, they don't want to get their pyjamas on, they don't want to go to sleep, They nobody is hungrier, thirstier or more desperate for the loo than a toddler you're trying to get to sleep or busier than they suddenly remember all of those things they've got to do and it can be very, for a time when ideally we want bedtime to be calm and connected, it can cause that resistance at bedtime and during the routine can cause a lot of frustration for parents um, and I thought it'd be really useful to talk about that go through that how normal it is and I'm really hoping that maybe some of the tools that you use in hypnobirthing can help to keep us calm in the bedtime routine because I think that is the biggest thing is that mm-hmm. to, for parents if that if you are listening and you are going you've got a toddler so say 16 months plus up to four resisting bedtime or they are really resisting the bedtime routine I just want to let you know that it is completely normal it's not, you're definitely not alone. It is really frustrating, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. For me, parenting isn't about battling. Um, I'm really like to be mindful of our language we're using. It's not about winning or losing or giving in. Um, and I don't want to call it a bedtime battle. It's the same thing, resistance battle, but I think it sounds better. But I forgot where I was going with this. But I think the most important bit is that if it, it's how to keep us calm because what we want to try and avoid in the bedtime routine is that it just becoming this massive battle of wills. Uh, I do think pe- parenting is picking your battles while picking your battles wisely. And when there is resistance in the bedtime routine, it's really normal for them to start asking questions or we as adults, we get into child mode and start resisting back and then nobody's getting anywhere and getting into bed so I'm really hoping that there are some parallels between the tools in hypnobirthing and keeping calm in the bedtime routine um Mm -hmm. hopefully you've got some little pearls of wisdom for us yeah absolutely so shall I tell you a little bit about what happened to us when Sam was younger than he is now yeah Um, definitely and so I mean Sam Sam was when he was born, we had a really difficult time with Sam. I'll keep this bit quick, but um, he had reflux, he had a tongue tie, he had milk allergies. So we really went through it with him in the first couple of months of his life. Um, and it felt forever. It really did. But then I would say probably when he was six months old, he was a really calm, really settled little boy. Um He was still waking up in the night a couple of times, but he'd always go straight back to sleep. So I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. (laughs) This is what, you know, I planned type of thing. Um, And yeah, at 12 months old, waking up once in the night. I know they're all different, but that's what he was doing. And it was a really lovely nighttime feed, actually. I used to quite enjoy it. Um, It was like our little time together. And I put him back in his cart and... um, and yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't hear from him usually until, you know, seven o'clock, something like that. And then 
the first kind of difficult period with him was when he was 18 months um, and it was quite short-lived. He was, it was about three weeks where we had real difficulties. It, I say three weeks, it felt like about three years. Um, and then it happened again when he was two and a half um, and it was a real slog. I'm talking about three months of difficulties, which, you know, equates to about 30 years. <laughs> yeah. What is it about that when you're settling them at bedtime or at night time that you think, gosh, this is taking forever? And then you look and it's literally like 10 minutes. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. weird parallel time, isn't it, at bedtime? It is. It completely is. And, um, and, and how it started was like we used to have like, not like a rigid bedtime routine but we'd have a little pattern you know the classic bed you know he had some milk he um I know not everybody um is keen on tv at night but it worked for us we would watch um you know something quite relaxing on the tv and I'd, I'd, I'd then I'd switch it off read him a book and take him up and I would be able to um at two and a half I think I'd pop him in the carton and, and I would kiss him and I'd be able to leave you know, it was dreamy. It was amazing. And then suddenly that just all, you know, fell apart quite quickly, if I remember rightly. Um, and as Sam kind of knew the stages leading to bedtime were coming, you know, he would resist more and more. You know, he he wouldn't want a bath. So getting him in the bath was a, a bit mm. of a nightmare he refused to put his pajamas on and you know that doesn't do justice to what it was that word refuse does not do justice to how it felt I mean he was kicking off you know screaming kicking me hitting me and it's very distressing when your child is upset it really is and you're like what do I do how am I gonna get your pajamas um, and then we would eventually get him dressed. I don't know how, but probably, if I'm honest, carry some kind of bribery, which wasn't great, but it needed to happen. Um, that's um, the only thing I could think of at that time. We were, This was us still in our state of panic and stress. Um, and then I'd take him up to bed and, and we got in a real mess. We got in a real mess at one point because he just refused to go up to bed. And I'd end up putting the TV back on because I just didn't, I couldn't at that time think straight Um, because, yeah, he was crying so incessantly. And at one point um, I had to, Phil was with me, so Sam was never on his own. I had to run outside to be sick because I was so stressed with it all so anyone who's going through this at the moment I am with you <laughs> I had to run outside to be sick it was that stressful um and, and it was that I said to Phil this we've got a we've got a you know um and, and Sam witnessed that he saw that which obviously I didn't mean it I didn't want him to see it but it happened and it obviously made the situation so yeah. much worse because you know, our children look to us for guidance, don't they? Is this a stressful situation? Is this an okay situation? Am I safe? So seeing his mum have a bit of a meltdown and probably a panic attack it was, um, probably um, stressed him out, you know, even more. Um, And then we, we just got our heads together, me and Phil, and we were like, right, what are we going to do about this? And probably... The most important thing you can do um, as a parent is to control your breathing first and foremost, because when you're in a state of panic, you know, your body's tense, you're in that fight and flight mode, heart rate, adrenaline pumping. And, and our children know this. They know. <laughs> oh, they know everything, Rachel. They know everything. <laughs> Um, and and you know breathing is really simple like the breathing techniques I teach for labor are really simple you know you take a long deep breath in through your nose long deep breath out through your mouth that's the easy part remembering to do it in a potentially stressful or unique situation such as you know labor doesn't happen very often to us um, children screaming is very, very stressful sometimes. Um, so remembering to do it during those times 
um, is the hard part, is the hard part. Mm. And, and then, yeah, when you breathe properly, your body relaxes a bit more, your mind um, clears more so you can think a bit more um, carefully about is that's happening and just take a step back from it. And I really had to rein my unruly thoughts in, which is another hypnobirthing technique. You know, I, I in those moments with Sam, I was like, um, this is your life forever. You know, really catastrophic thinking. You know, what this is your own doing. You know, you are to blame for this behavior. And then it's it's almost funny, but I would berate myself equally. You know, he is like this, you know, one day because you are too strict. And then the next day you are like he, he is like this um, because you're too soft. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, the only um, the, 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 the thing was I was criticizing myself so much, but it, it didn't actually make any sense. It wasn't very logical, but they were the thoughts in my head. And then, you know, clouded with all that was everybody else's opinion of mm. what they should be doing, which mirrors perfectly with, you know, when you announce your pregnancy, everybody's got an opinion on what you should and shouldn't be doing. Everybody's got an opinion on, um, you know, your choices and your decisions. And um, it, it's it's easy for me to say, but it's nobody else's business except yours. Um, but when other people are saying to you and, and people that you love and respect and they've they've been through this, you know, as well, you, you start listening, um, you know, like um, you shouldn't be doing this and, and you need to be more like this and he needs to be. And your mind is just in a spin with everybody else's um suggestions and I remember someone saying to me it's his bedroom he doesn't like his bedroom you know you need to put him in a different room and I'm like I can't change his bedroom every time you know I can't move out (laughs) yeah yeah exactly somebody was like he's too hot in the night somebody else was like he's too cold and my mind was spinning and I do believe um you know, we all have this little compass inside of us, you know, like an, either an inner voice or a gut feeling that we already know, uh, maybe not straight away, but with some time and some quiet to think. But I do think we already know what is right for us um, yeah. right for our children, whether that's in pregnancy, birth, parenthood. But I think we get so bombarded with other people's opinions, whether that be family, friends, things we read, things we hear, that then we lose that compass almost. And you can't even like, keep it with the compass theme, you like navigate your journey type yeah. of thing. You don't know what are your thoughts. And I think some something I've always fallen into is that I always think other people know better than me, but I've grown mm. over time. And I've had to say this to a few people quite recently, like I am his mother. You know, yes, you can you can have your opinion on what you think I should be doing. But ultimately, it's me and Phil who decides because we know our son better than anyone. Um, and, and I don't mean to be rude to Phil, but I, I spend more time with Sam. So probably I know Sam more than anyone. Um, and yeah, uh, it's it's us who are the decision makers, nobody else. But that can be really difficult. Um, yeah. with, Hard with to family. hear yourself with all the noise. Yeah, you know, people say, you know, he needs to know that you're the boss. And it's really easy to be like, he does need to know that I'm the boss. You know, he needs to respect you. He does. He needs to respect me. And, and you know, learning about child development and how a child's brain works. Because I got a couple of um, books and things like that and educated myself. So even though I'm a health visitor, I didn't I didn't know some of this stuff. Um, you know, children at 18 months, two years, even now at four, I don't think they manipulate us. I don't. Um, yeah, they're not always, you know, great communicators. But, um, you know, their needs are so basic, aren't they? They yeah. just they 
they're just desperately trying to get some help and you know if if we don't give them what they need because we've got our own kind of intentions in our heads and our own wants and wishes then it they just get louder don't they until you start to listen yeah Um, yeah and what what I say I remember Phil especially and like I I because I was the one reading the books and educating myself on the not just any old books I was very particular with what I was reading you know and I didn't want anything too rigid or anything like that and Phil would be like but but he's you know he's smacking he's this he's that and I'm like he's he's so he's he's so impulsive that is his age that is his nature it's normal it's it's science it's not like he's disrespecting you it's he's frightened he doesn't know how to communicate like you do he doesn't know how to control I'm not saying you know being smacks is enjoyable and I wouldn't tell him no but um it's so impulsive, isn't it, that they've not even thought about it before it's it's been done. But I think sometimes when, when you try and explain that to people, they might think you're being soft, you're letting them, you know, do whatever they want. But I'm all for, um, you know, understanding, you know, his age and what he's capable of and, and what he's not capable of. And I think we have massively high expectations of what our children can behave like. I really do. And once I've lowered my expectations quite drastically, <laughs> <laughs> we've fallen more in line. Me and Sam are more on the same page once I'm like he's he's a child. He has a child's brain. He doesn't think about things the same way I do um so learning about like the science of it all like what I teach people with childbirth um has made made a massive difference um to how I react to him I mean sometimes I can still go into a bit of panic mode that I am a worrier I do suffer with anxiety so it's always kind of there but by you know breathing reminding myself this is a short moment in time he is desperately trying to tell you something Rachel um it makes I can take a step back from the panic and and respond you know far more like kind mummy kind of yeah that makes total sense well thank you so much for sharing that that sounds really tough untiring not only for you but for Sam like for everybody like bedtime there's so much pressure to get bedtime calm and quiet and again lots of other people's expectations there and I think when they do start kicking off and getting distressed which is completely normal it it can set us off into a panic we just end up mimicking each other but I know there will be people listening to this where by you sharing that um, it will help them. It will help them know that they're not alone um, because mm-hmm. you're never alone, even when you think it. There's always somebody else going through similar things. And just to know that there is also, you've given them that, that lots of tools. I think the breathing and the reframing, so simple, but remember to breathe and remind yourself that this isn't going to be forever. I think that mm-hmm. can be really helpful. I'm a big worrier too, so um, mm-hmm. catastrophizing my thoughts um yeah. I do that quite a bit um but you will also help them know that it does pass too like most things this too shall pass and it does mm-hmm. yeah exactly which is great and so much to say about what you've just gone through um I completely agree with you that there is so much noise from other people friends family content podcasts mine included it's very difficult you can't hear I love the idea of having a compass inside us and we do know where we need to go it's just outside noise can be very distracting we can't hear ourselves um Mm. but I honestly do believe I'm saying I say this all the time it's your baby or toddler your bed your family your business every single time yours is the only opinion that really really matters unless you ask someone like you are for somebody's opinion yeah because Mm -hmm. Because i don't believe oh sorry rachel oh i I was just gonna say i remember having this real 
thought in my head and I think if I'm honest it came from my health visitor training and like I I was I did everything I could carry to try and stop that child from crying um I I remember watching the video when I was trained to be a health visitor about what happens you know in a child's mind when they're crying and I developed this real fear you know, of when he was kicking off, like I imagined his like brain melting or something. Um, And and I would do everything I could, you know, to stop him from crying. So like, have a biscuit. Oh, look at that squirrel. Oh, look at that over there. Um, And I remember it was after talking to you and we were, you know, you know, crying, you know, when you're being, you know, yourself, if you're upset about something, you know, um, sometimes it's a real release in a real, you know, and as long as somebody's with you, you know, I'm here, we're together, I'm going to stay with you. Crying um, can be a really, really safe experience. So, and I remember Sam, God love him, had his first tantrum at, um, I mean, he had tantrums before this, but I'd always nip them in the bud with a biscuit or a bit of TV or something, you know, thinking I was I was doing my best. You know, this is what I do as a parent. I stop him from crying. And God love him, he had his full tantrum from start to finish at two and a half. Um, it, it lasted about 10 minutes. I let him do it. I stayed with him. I didn't offer any biscuits. I didn't point out squirrels or anything. <laughs> <laughs> anything else. And I just sat with him and I was like, I'm here. I know you're angry. Yeah, let it out. Um, and you know what, Kerry? That child looks so satisfied at the end yeah. of it. And it just stops. And I was like, oh, okay. It's not my job to like fix you. Um, it's my job to just be there with you while you go through this normal kind of function if you like um mm. and honestly I swear at the end of it he looks exercised a demon from his body <laughs> maybe yeah. he did um, yeah and he, oh he looks so relieved and I thought he he not not that it was nice and I would rather he didn't cry like that but I, I learned from that moment oh this is something that you kind of need to go through and we know ourselves after a big cry sometimes I treat myself to go carry to a big cry every now and again oh, I do I stick on my favorite movies you do you feel better it is a release I completely agree <laughs> And if I'm crying, so many people try and fix it and try and make you feel better. But sometimes I just want to feel sad, which might sound a bit weird, but it's it makes it go away quicker. If I if rather than trying to nip it in the bud and fix it, I will just let it happen. And yeah, that was like groundbreaking for me as a parent. Mm. But not my job to stop all of this. It's yeah. my to be there with you whilst it's happening and and our life got instantly better once I made that made that change yeah yeah it's amazing I think especially there's so much pressure isn't there to to not let your baby or toddler cry if I use the word small your small cry I think it's it seems to be either one way or the other and I think this definitely I talk about this a lot I talk about tears and crying in my approach because this is care it out. So there's no control crying, crying out, leaving them to cry. But I'm always very honest and upfront that it isn't completely tear free. It's not about stopping every single cry because crying is communication. I What you were saying about manipulation earlier really resonates with me because I don't believe and I've spoken. I've had um a neuroscientist on the show, Greer, from uh, Nature Nurture, and we had a really lovely conversation about manipulation. Manipulation is a such a hot, it's a really complex process to be able to do. And children, toddlers, up until puberty and beyond, are just not capable of manipulation. There's cause and effect. They learn by doing something. There might be um, similar output each time, but it isn't manipulation. So crying is always communication, not manipulation. When you look at crying like that, 
it's it's simply communication that can be massively helpful but crying I think is always going to trigger us I've got zero tolerance for tears and they're not even my babies like when I was in I absolutely hated it um and I think we're meant to like the biggest thing for me when and also I believe you never stop learning but one thing that and I know it isn't parenting but so it, I was, it was a very valid career of 20 years working with young babies. It changed my practice was that it wasn't my my role wasn't to try and stop them from crying. It was to um, let them know that every single um, emotion was valid and mm-hmm. to support them through it. I think that's that that's massive. And, and it does trigger when well, we hear them cry. It's meant to trigger us. So that we, when they cry, we respond to them. Exactly. And and it used to really ignite a really strong feeling in me, like, like hence me running off to be sick. You know, this I, mad- I hear you. <laughs> it doesn't so much do that these days as I've got calmer and more experienced and more used to Sam. I still don't enjoy him crying, um, but I can definitely think more clearly through it and I remember saying to Phil one time um you know and and people were saying he's manipulating you and I was like does he look like he's having fun because he doesn't look like he's winning to me we all look like we're losing here so Yeah. um, yeah so and I think as they get older you know it gets even harder you know to to think they you know they they can't manipulate me as they get older you're like oh, maybe they can <laughs> yeah I mean? it, no because and they I, get emotive and they use their language yeah I totally hear that and I have to really remind myself like he is four you know in the grand scheme of things he is tiny he is a tiny person and um, with all these massive emotions he does not know what to do with them sometimes and yet tears and tantrums are a very yeah. very normal um part of that not not the funnest part but really normal and i'm, I'm not going to deny him those <laughs> anymore. yeah yeah i really agree they are complete completely normal um I was going to say something about um, oh, it was really interesting. What I, well, I thought it was really interesting what I was going to say, and it's gone. It will come back in a second, I'm sure. Oh, I know what I was going to say. The two most important things I really share and really passionate about getting out there with parents is one, it isn't our role to get them to sleep, to like actually physically put them to sleep. That often comes as a bit of a shock. And then the other one, it isn't our role to stop them crying or um to control their emotions i really like what you said earlier about crying is not it it, crying is completely normal it's simply communication and that really helped when i when they cry at night when i was a night and they cried at night time and i would breathe um, I didn't know it was hypnobirthing or like it was actually a natural thing but it, it made me feel better and i reminded myself that it's meant to have that it's meant to evoke that feeling in you when you hear a baby cry because it keeps them safe and that it was normal that that really helped me massively and our role is to accept all I like to feel that all emotions are valid there aren't just like there are no bad bed habits there aren't any good or bad emotions they're all really valid and every emotion all the way from happiness to joy all the way down to sadness and anger every single one of these emotions in yourself as a parent and Mm -hmm. in your child are very very normal and okay and it's always okay to it's hard but it's always okay to express themselves not to be berated for it and it isn't our role to stop the tears I love that about a squirrel and a biscuit like distraction (laughs) and you know what (laughs) sometimes it is appropriate to go squirrel have a biscuit like distraction can be it has its place and can be very useful but as a long time strategy trying to distract children or adults from our emotions it isn't long term very healthy if it's a short term thing we're trying to get them through a moment like a I don't know a jab or they sit there a little bit upset whilst out and about because they're leaving then I think pointing out a squirrel or Mine used to be pointing out an elephant in the tree. Did you see it? No, look at it up there. Like, and they're always looking. Like, that can be really helpful. But long term, every time they cry, ideally when they cry, we listen, we empathise, and it's so freaking hard. But we don't try and change that emotion. Yes. Yeah. I mean, could we you hold space for it. 
if you were really upset about something and your friend was like, look, there's a, there's a squirrel over there, Kerry, you'd be like, can you just... <laughs> Please. I don't give a jot about squirrels, but, but my partner does. My husband does it. Like if it, it's really we get more worked up when somebody tries to change your emotional state. So it's not often this happens, Rachel. But say I came home from work and I started moaning and I was upset something happened. It's normal for us to try and fix. It's in us to try and fix that behaviour because with our loved ones, we don't want to see them upset. We want to make things better. We want to be helpful. So he would start going, do you want some wine? Do you want me to cook dinner? Um, he would try and fix it. What could you do about it? And I would just get more and more and more worked up. This might be resonating with you. But really, all I wanted him to say was, come here, have a cuddle. That's, that's rubbish. Just let all your emotions out empathy and being heard can go such a long way and if you are if there's any bedtime resistance and I'm going to go through some quick tips in a minute before we finish but if there is any resistance um with toddlers it doesn't matter whether it's during the day or night if there's resistance in friendships in in relationships you could use this it, this tool goes such a long way but when somebody comes at you with an emotion it's natural for you to 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 have a trigger to react to respond to it but try to breathe keep calm listen to that emotion empathize with them I can see I find commentating really really helpful I can see you're angry annoyed really peed off don't want to see the squirrels now Kerry um <laughs> you like label that emotion for them because it's teaching them that those emotions are okay lots of little ones really start to lose it even more when they think that their emotions aren't valid like they get scared of their emotions um so having somebody models it back to them that that's actually it's okay everybody feels like this that can be really hugely helpful um and just holding space for them just empathy goes such a long way it can it can help massively yeah and it's funny well not funny but some some of the tips i've taught sam like I, i've taught him magic breathing which is exactly the same what i teach ladies for labor surge breathing but we call it magic breathing at home i started it with him at 18 months and it did nothing at all but at four years old he does his magic breathing amazingly when he's getting worked up um and people are like astounded and i'm like oh yeah <laughs> i taught him that um but i mean it's took it's took years for it to pay off um and then if he like stamps his feet or i've taught him to like um punch cushions i don't know if that's something you recommend but that's what we do in our house and people will who looking on are like sam stop it stop banging stamping your feet stop. and i'm like let him do it i've taught him yeah it's um it's it's because emotion is just energy in motion and we need to move that energy and that emotion out of our body because otherwise they they suppress and get stagnated so it's that's why um shaking I, I, I just need to clarify this i'm not about to say shaking your baby that's not what i'm about to say but getting your baby your toddler to wiggle themselves and shake themselves you know what i mean dancing yeah. let's say dancing um yeah that can be hugely just movement for the body dancing getting them to shake their hands and their feet stomping their feet wiggling nodding their head it moves that emotion out mm -hmm. yeah and and it's not everybody understands that do they so that's where you've kind of got to trust that you know um i can see a royal mailman pulling up so <laughs> i hope he's not coming here um <laughs> but um yeah you've got to move that um it's telling other people this is what we're doing in our house this is what feels right for us so yes you can do what you want in your house but this is what we are doing in our house and we'd really yeah. like you to respect that please yeah and um, yeah so everybody's your, your business yeah exactly exactly yeah and we all deal with the tools for when we've got tears the tear tools and like we all we all cope and have tools that one you know might not work for another but it might work amazingly for someone else we're all different so it just makes sense that your toddlers are all going to be completely different too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but to output music on um again i wouldn't be using this as a distraction but if they you can see that they are 
they're just me you can see it in them sometimes that emotion is just rising 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 and it's got to go somewhere putting music on mm-hmm. having a dance before bedtime or shaking it out and it 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 can make a really big even just like shaking your arms you know when you see a lot this is very applicable to you but you know when you see lions in the wild they'll go for a chase and then they keep still and shake they're moving all that adrenaline out of them wow we we went through a little spell with sam where we would call it saying good night to the garden and i'd take him out the front we'd say good night to the garden then we'd take him out the back it was a bit like oh come on you know in my head i was like <laughs> why are we doing this but he really loved it and just taking in a big deep breath of fresh air as well. And and he thought he was winning in a way like, oh, I've got something special. You know what I mean? Yeah. Carry me in the garden for a minute. And, and so then he'd feel and I do think children need to feel like they've they've won a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Like we've all got yeah. something. Um, yeah. And going outside for him was amazing it really has an immediate effect on him so it's like learning about your child isn't it my mum would put me in the shower so she said water in the shower for me would help calm me down so I think some days I was having like four showers a day (laughs) but even as adults I see that my husband will kill me for saying this but he loves a shower to calm down he's in there for ages and I know this because we've just had a but he loves a shower, like a really long shower. But for me, I need to get out and be in nature every day for at least half an hour. I'll go for a walk or just sit out, even in winter, because it. I just find it so soothing. It grounds me, brings me back to, literally brings me back to earth. I love it. Yeah, so it's finding, you know, it's, I mean, it's trial and error, isn't it? What does my child respond to type of thing? And and I just tried that one day. I remember I was doing everything and this tantrum was still going on. And I thought, let's, it's that distraction, isn't it? It's it's like the squirrel, I guess. I was trying to ride it out with him. But um, I thought we both of us needed a change of environment because I was getting wound up. And I was like, come on, outside. And he looked at me like, what yeah and we decided and it that change of scenery the fresh air I don't know all of it oh he he responded really well to it and I was like aha <laughs> I yeah. like the whole moment and I think that's a really good tip if you are trying when a lot of resistance around bedtime and in the bedtime routine it is completely normal it's a it's about them wanting that that independence really exploring those boundaries but also needing to feel secure so knowing that it's not about parents being in charge but especially around the toddler years knowing they feel safe uh, that toddlers feel safe and secure when they know what's to be expected if that makes sense um so it is that balance about them needing to feel um that they are in control and but also parents are as well it it can be a really tricky balance but a lot of time when there is bedtime if you if if you listen to this and you have got some resistance at bedtime my first tip would be to just check the timings especially as they get older um 18 months plus there's a lot of pressure to get your toddler in bed by seven o'clock um or at this one size fits all bedtime and sometimes i think this comes back to what we're saying in the beginning we can't beat biology and none of us can go to sleep we have no control over when we fall asleep it's a biological function and we fall asleep when we've got enough melatonin in our system and we've got enough um homeostatic pressure in us to get to sleep peak pressure so if your toddler is fighting or your child is fighting bedtime it's always worth just double checking are they overtired first unlikely at this age but it's always worth having a little bit of a think about especially if they're dropping naps but if not it's always worth asking yourself actually are they undertired are they finding it hard to switch off and settle because they're not ready to go to sleep and it can feel sometimes it can be really hard to let go of that expectation that bedtime's got to be at a certain time but sometimes pushing bedtime later can really help lessen that resistance that would be my first tip and then the other one would be and I think you talked about this beautifully Rachel about babies or toddlers I keep calling them babies they're all but they're all babies babies. you know what I mean (laughs) they are all babies toddlers and like we are talking about toddlers today but that having that routine it is 
routine as they get older it is really important because routine helps them feel secure they know exactly what's coming it helps them feel calm it helps them feel in control but it's always okay to 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 to, to deviate from that so i think having a, a bedtime routine or a bedtime rhythm is really helpful when there's resistance going on so they know what to expect and when it's happening but also i think it's always okay to to roll with that rhythm if things don't quite go to plan and this comes into what you were saying if you get in if you get into your toddler's bedroom and in there in the bed and they're completely kicking off um they don't want to go to bed it's you're getting really frustrated with them because they're not you're not they're not doing what you think they need to be doing and they're getting frustrated because they're not tired enough and um you're not doing what they want it's always okay to take a breather come out of the bedroom go downstairs get a drink go out have a shower have a wash wash our faces just take a little bit of a breather i call it a bed break come back to it in 10 15 minutes and chances are once you've had a bit of a break down that can also help move you forward as well yeah and and that was where we were at with sam at two and a half because he was still having a really lengthy lunchtime nap which kept getting later and later which was a telltale sign Um, and then i couldn't get him to bed and i remember when we worked together kerry and you said you know i think he's ready to drop the lunchtime nap and you said it very kindly but i was not ready to hear it (laughs) My parents aren't ready to hear it. Are you ever? I remember saying to you, he still needs the nap. But actually, in that moment, it dawned on me that it was me who still wanted him to have that nap. But actually, his body or his mind or both had changed. And, you know, I was starting my business at this point. I relied heavily. I was running a a naptime empire. Everything got done in two hours. So when his body changed and he no longer needed that nap, it was it was almost soul destroying for me. That might sound really dramatic, but I was like, what am I going to do now without yeah. this nap? So I was making it about me, you know, rather than listening to his body. So that knowledge that you gave me about, you know, his development and his, you know, sleep hormones, you know, I was like, oh okay I get it now I get it um and our life got better our life got better once I understood you know yeah. patterns and, and yeah. stuff like and the science of it so yeah it's hard to let that nap go I never ever want to be the bearer of sad news <laughs> never want to tell like and I don't want to be telling parents what you should be doing either I don't feel that is my role but sometimes you know I always used to cry a little bit I'll be, it's, I don't feel it's dramatic it's how it feels to us when they'll be like yep yeah, they're giving up their naps now and I'm like well, how on earth am I gonna cook or do anything or even just eat my own lunch um yeah. just anything so I, I I do I completely get it but sometimes that is the key to I'm actually quite calc I'm very relaxed but I'm quite calculated I would only suggest something if I was really quietly confident it was going to make a difference so I wouldn't suggest dropping a nap willy-nilly just for the sake of it yeah we'd had a long chat I know before this and, and it was exactly that it was exactly that once that nap um, changed once once it wasn't happening anymore he went to bed tired yeah happier exhausted actually because it was almost like you know he, he would have napped at five if I'd have let him because that change to drop in the nap you know he wasn't ready for the nap at one but by five o'clock he was out on his feet you know yeah. I mean? so, and, then and that is got, hard <laughs> then got stronger and he could get a bit longer a bit longer do you know what I mean yeah. and yeah, it was it was it was fascinating actually. It was fascinating, you know, to throw out what I thought I should be doing and all these rules I had in my head and to let him guide me. It was really yeah, like, oh, you believe, do you know what I mean? It was quite a relief. it's a relief, it's quite liber- lots of parents from it's quite liberating. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's the same in what I do. People like don't think they have much control over what happens, and once people realise, you know, what you can influence, also what you can't, and what we do need to let go of, it's a relief. And I think a lot of people don't book hypnobirthing because they're 
almost they don't want to learn and, and then you know face it head on but obviously I teach people in a realistic a gentle way about labor and birth and once people have that knowledge and the light bulbs are going up in their heads and I can see their faces being like oh right that's why it's like that and I'm like yeah the, the fear goes the fear goes and it's replaced you know by calm by confidence and you're like yeah job done <laughs> job yeah. done yeah and that's so important when there is well at bedtime anyway but also when there is resistance around bedtime that being calm and being connected I think it's it's so important because going to sleep is a period of separation for your toddler from you for your toddler even if it's just a short amount of time and if it's natural bed dread is very real as we've been talking about today that it can you can really build it up in your head like as soon as 4am kind of rolls around you're just thinking about what's coming next and it's going to be a bit of a drama and a bit of a battle trying to get them down to bed and then they feed off of that they can um they can just pick up on your emotions and it's so hard to keep calm but in order to go down to sleep and to for them to be calm we need to be calm they need to have that that time to connect or anchor to us in order to separate and they also need us to, in order to do that they need to know that you're in a good place as well to be able to do that and that's so difficult to do mm-hmm. it is yeah it is it's it's tricky but i think when you've got that understanding of it you know from their point of view the pennies start dropping don't they for you and you're like yeah. right okay and, and i felt like more it's weird because I, I let the reins go a bit looser and I followed his lead and weirdly I felt more in control you know the reins that I thought were giving me does that make sense it makes you know, total sense to me right yeah the boundaries the really strict boundaries that I put in you know when he started kicking off it's like right I'm the boss you know this is yeah. awesome. that that yeah once I eased up on that we both felt an enormous sense of relief and control and I remember my mum saying to me one day like he will always go to sleep Rachel I don't know why you're getting so stressed but I I had all these rules and rigid um things in my head about what I should be doing and as as soon as I hear the word should if I say it to myself or he should be doing I think no stop there are no shoulds whatsoever Um, And that's something that I've learned, you know, in the last four and a half years. There are no shoulds. And that's a red flag for me if I say should to myself or someone say should to me. I just think no. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm all about shoving those shoulds. Look at a squirrel instead. (laughs) We could probably talk all day. We honestly could talk all day. I know that I'm still got so much more I want to talk to you about but I do feel that this is uh, we were like when we were in the beginning we were like we're going to keep this to an hour got plenty of time to talk about it we know it's plenty of time we've gone over it's always the way but I do I think maybe in the um in the new year maybe we could do something else together or you can come on again because I've myself have found this this conversation really useful in, and interesting and really reassuring and I'm really hoping the the parents that are listening who are going through bedtime resistance and a bit of um upset even if they're not going through resistance at bedtime just knowing that it's okay for them to cry and oh one last thing before we go I was just about to to, to say was that I think it's there's a lot of pressure to make sure that they're not overtired at bedtime and that if we drop that nap I know I'm going backwards here a bit but I really it is really important and I think some people would need to hear this but there's a lot of pressure not to for them to be tired at bedtime and we want to try and avoid all meltdowns all over tiredness at bedtime but that actually is impossible and we need to remember that we do need them tired at bedtime otherwise they're not going to go down to sleep does that make sense yeah yeah because imagine yeah someone's to you know putting you in bed I mean actually I'd love that so I've been reading rubbing in my hand cream (laughs) if if you're just not ready it must be so frustrating and then you know Sam's communication wasn't real at that time so he couldn't tell me in words you know it was just his mannerisms and behavior must be incredibly frustrating for them yeah you know Mm. 
they can't just tell you hey i'm not quite ready to go to bed but i have really 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 enjoyed talking to you rachel have so much i really hope that you've enjoyed um coming on and talking to us i know that this will help the people that need to hear it that it's okay for to there be bedtime resistance it's okay for them to be upset at bedtime it's not about us stopping it there's loads and loads of really really helpful suggestions and tools in there too so rachel thank you so much for coming on um and where can people find you if they want to find more about hypnobirthing so I've got Instagram. I'm usually on Instagram um, these days, but I've got an Instagram account, just Lionheart Hypnobirthing, and Facebook as well. My website is lionhearthypnobirthing.com. And I've recently in, so I do um, labour and birth education. That's my main thing. But I do a Beyond the Birth course as well, which is a pre-recorded course, uh, all to do with healing and recuperation after having a baby best to watch when you're pregnant and then you can get it all set up and all to do with newborn communication and how they tell us you know what what they want and I do weaning courses as well self-paced weaning courses so they're all you know on my website lionhearthypnobirthing.com and you can watch them as many times as you want um you know at, at whatever pace you want to watch them so yeah it's I just wanted to people to take that calmness that they have with childbirth yeah a bit further along that's what I do cool amazing and what I do is I'll put that all in the show notes as well for people Rachel the people in your courses lovely thank you so much for having me you're welcome Rachel I've really really loved it okay speak to you soon bye 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 Thank you so much for listening to me, your host, Kerry Secker, on the Carrot Out Sleep Show. I really hope you found the podcast reassuring, informative, and a little bit fun. If you did, please don't forget to subscribe to the show below, and I'd be so grateful if you could leave me some fabulous feedback. I always love hearing from you, and one lucky listener will win lifetime access to my Bedtime Basics e-course every single month. My next podcast episode will be out in two weeks' time. But if you can't wait for more of my sleep shizzle, you can find me over on Instagram at Carrot Out Sleep Consultant. I update my sleep squares and speak sleep there on the daily. Big love and sleep solidarity to you all.